because unconditional submission to civil authority is not Christian. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide podcast, where if the shoe fits, you wear it. And if the truth hurts, you bear it. I am Justin Gruber. And I am Jesse Gruber. And today we hope you will seize the faith. Uh, welcome to the Carpe Fide podcast here. Uh, tonight we will be doing a discussing, and by the way, uh, we're also doing a live stream, so if you're on the live stream and you have a question, please feel free to ask us that live question in the chat, and we will be uh, glad to try to incorporate that at the end of our time tonight. That being said, if we don't go two hours, because we are so ready to talk about this particular topic. The title tonight is Double-Minded and Unstable, the Gospel Coalition Canada and Biblical Christianity. Yes, and I know, I know, we're rabble-rousing Americans, so the nice, soft-hearted sophistry of articles coming from the Gospel Coalition of Canada, we just want to be clear here, we did directly kind of oppose the Gospel Coalition Canada to biblical Christianity for a specific reason, uh, and we included, the, t- the title is very clear, Double-Minded and Unstable. The scripture tells us some things about a double-minded man. It does. Namely, that in all of his ways, he is most certainly... Unstable. There we, go. there we go. That's it. Nice pass. I like that. <laughs> um, that's great. I, people can see our hand motions now. because <laughs> because there's a, a video also, which it's always a mistake. You know, there's the thing of, as having a radio face, a yeah. face for radio, perfect face for radio. <laughs> you have that. No, oh, you know. It's <laughs> yes, James one. Uh, if you start in verse five, it says, "Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly." And it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For the doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. That person should not respect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Uh, I believe later on. Uh, also, he, I mean, a similar concept uh, down in verse 22 in James 1. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. So again, making that making that contrast. Um, Jesus also, uh, if, you, if you turn back to Matthew 6, Jesus talks about this idea um, that no one can serve two masters. He says, no one can serve two masters since either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted in one to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money um, in this particular context. But it's it's this idea. So, I mean, I, I don't know how you feel about this, Justin, but um, there's a lot of talk about nuance nowadays. Uh, and I feel my feelings on this are that perhaps there's too much talk about nuance, and I think that there's when there's too much nuance, it actually blurs the truth. It's too many people trying to serve too many masters. Um, when the Bible's clear, we must follow the clear word of God. Um, and certainly there are passages or instances or commands that aren't so clear, um, you know, that, that we can discuss. Um, but there's one command in particular... Um, that I think a lot of conversation is going to be happening around tonight. Uh, do you know what I'm thinking? Um, is it persecution? It's okay. I did miss the passage word. I thought you said word you were thinking. Uh, what passage from the word are you thinking on? Uh, about double-minded men? No. No. It's not about, about a, a, a command from God that perhaps we'll be discussing tonight that some people think is 
may or may not be following that we may may follow or may not follow that there's some room for nuance but perhaps there oh the, phys- the physical gathering of the church ah there we go so sorry there's, man there's, the, holy there's the pass and the catch i'm fired holy crud <laughs> all right i will give you half my salary thank you i, I will just know that half of nothing it. is still nothing <clears throat> well it's just half of nothing yeah um you know what and and uh as a frame of reference, you can go to episode 17, by the way, for uh, Essential Service, a discussion on online church. Uh, we did not mince words. We did not waste time. It was quite, quite clear. Ain't nobody got time to waste. Well, I'm just saying, if you want to understand our real feelings about the Essential Service and a biblical unfolding of why Christians gather at all, and and <laughs> I don't know if I can do it again, honestly. I don't know if I can do it again. Well, here we are. We got to do it. Do we have to? We already did a whole episode on it. Well, I mean, it's it's pertinent. All right, the clear the clear emphasis in Scripture is that the church comes together and it, it gathers, whether uh, like the like the U.S. mail service. Well, that's not even true. The U.S. mail service just stops delivering randomly, but it's supposed to come together right through through wind and rain and storm of night. Right, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It comes together. It meets. Nothing stops the church from meeting, um, physically gathering. In the face of persecution, being burned at the stake, being fed to lions, uh, being imprisoned, losing your means of income. The church has gathered. It is gathered underground. It is gathered in homes. It is gathered wherever the church, wherever people of the body of Christ have been, they have physically gathered together. And this is for a myriad of reasons. Those reasons range from taking the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, from participating in the sacrament of believers' baptism. They range uh, from bearing up one another's burdens and encouraging one another, stirring them to love and good works. None of these things are to be done through a Zoom call or a YouTube online stream. Or even a, uh, a fake fantasy avatar world. No. Heavens no. Get that. I can't even. That's like, you get that, you get that sitting right out of here. That's messed up stuff. <laughs> you know, only... The pampered Western church would decide that church could live be lived out in The Sims. Only, <laughs> only us. What the heck is wrong with us? Oh, man. Poor R.C. Sproul. He, he would be having a heyday. What's wrong with you people? Seriously. He wasn't kidding, though, when he said that. He was like, like, he was literally, the crowd, like, chuckled. I thought the man was going to, like, really hurt somebody. Like, he was looking at the crowd like, no, I'm going to come out there. I'm going to choke one of you. Yeah, he was about to, he was about to pop up out of the chair. Um, so a, a little recounting of events. Okay. So we saw this article. It's called going back to church. Uh, you can find it on the gospel coalition, Canada website. Um, and, uh, it's written by Jen Pollock, Michael, I'm going to guess. And it really just starts talking about, well, going back to church. It's a, it's a plea. It's a, it's a thankfulness. It's a, a sigh of relief after the COVID pandemic has hit, and we're finally able to go back to church. But there's only one problem with that, uh, and that's that some of us didn't stop going to church in the first place. Very inter- very, <laughs> very interesting. Um, and that's where that. That's Needless where that, to say, what they weren't looking for was you to have an opinion. The <laughs> 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 that uh, they definitely weren't looking for you to have an opinion at all. Now, some, some of our Canadian friends did mention that, that this type of thing might happen. And so what I did was I took some screenshots. But what ended up happening uh, was several people uh, hopped on the Instagram page of the Gospel Coalition Canada uh, and started just kind of 
informing them like, hey, look, like, it's great that you're happy about this. But at the same time, like, where were you? Uh, where were you when we we're taking a stand? Where were you when our pastors were thrown in jail? Where were you when we, you know, we're getting fined 60, 70, you know, $100,000 for actually, you know, doing the text of scripture um, while you were doing online church at home? Thank you for including air quotes. I appreciate it. And I don't think that those were unfair questions, and they certainly weren't mean-spirited. Well, what ended up happening was I went back a couple of days later to check the post, and I couldn't. And Well, uh, is that maybe because the, po- the post was taken down? Yeah, maybe they took down the post. Or, the, or maybe, they, maybe they, you know, they took to heart some of the comments, and they, maybe they, they, they pulled the article to edit it and rewrite it appropriately, incorporating things like you know, recognition for their you know, horrible leadership. Hmm. I mean, uh, their opinion unbiblical. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe it turns out that wasn't why it turns out they, what they <laughs> it turns out what happened was, uh, they had simply decided it was going to be a great idea to, um, block a bunch of people. They didn't like to hear from, uh, sometimes. Yeah. And honestly, now, you know what, you know what, here, here's where I'm going to uh, I, you know what? I, I wanted to say right from the outset, if you've listened to many of our episodes, um, do not, well, just don't tell Blake Long what we're about to do. Uh, that's all I was going to say. <laughs> Blake, if you're listening, just, you know, you can just DM us. Uh, <laughs> the the thing about it was people were commenting purposefully because the article comes at the end of what had been just almost a year of these articles dribbling from the Gospel Coalition Canada, encouraging churches not to physically gather and to follow the dictates of their local magistrates. And and I mean, there's just article after article after article. And it was, uh, uh, people were right, clearly and rightly frustrated. And I, I yes, when people, some of those people communicated on that post that you could tell their passion bubble was a little near the surface at that point, right? But when you push people, push against people and nay against the scripture and people want to take the scripture seriously, you should not be surprised when their reaction to you living in error to the word is emphatic and bold. And I would say it absolutely should be, right? Why did sepulchers, right? Sons of Satan. Hmm. It should be pretty emphatic and bold. And by the way, for those of you that put on the internet that sheep was a term of endearment in the scripture, I just want to remind you that all we like sheep have gone astray. Everyone has turned to his own way. Sheep are used as a model of animals that do not do well without leadership. They die. They they kill themselves. Yeah. They're like big lemmings. <laughs> and yeah, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a, it's definitely not a term of endearment. And, and all of these things are in the scripture. So it's, it, it's imp- actually all those things I just said were mentioned by Jesus. <laughs> to be clear, not only were they scripture, they're coming from the mouth of God. So if you think, uh, um, um, some passionate pushback is, uh, it's just, it, it's not what Christians should do. I would encourage you, uh, that the, um, the bulk of strong Christian leadership in the past has at times been very bold and emphatic and passionate. Well, um, yeah. I mean, Allah, Jesus, not Allah, but uh, <laughs> clarify. <laughs> there's literally no, like, for instance, you know, Jesus, you go. that's a prophets. good one. And don't use friend. Don't use, don't use French anyway. The only thing they invented was the white flag. So yes. We, so we, this, this article came out. It came out. And then 
not only were they blocking us, but they were blocking a lot of people. Bunch in of fact, other people. <laughs> in fact, it was great because later we uh, later that week we had uh, uh, put out a giveaway. <laughs> we did our we were late on our one k giveaway on social on the socials. Uh, we were so thankful to have so many of you follow with us, and not only follow us, you interact with us. We were able to talk back and forth with you guys. It is awesome. But with the 1K giveaway, we had several people, uh, you know, you're supposed to, you know, tag and share, you know, how a giveaway goes on the socials. Uh, <laughs> several people tag the Gospel Coalition Canada <laughs> so bad. in the giveaway. It was so funny. Uh, it was very, very entertaining. I was highly <laughs> it entertained. Us, it did give us a great chuckle. Uh, so we enjoyed that very much. But but all that to say, when that, when that happened, we came up with so many wonderful ideas. Mm-hmm. Just epic wonderful ideas uh to push back in a fun and yet lighthearted and yet a very clearly true uh way against the gospel coalition canada but more than anything we wanted to get to this episode which is address the realization that there was a christian gospel centered organization uh that was deciding to block people who had a dissenting opinions Although those opinions were rooted and grounded in the scripture and words of God. Um, and we really wanted to get to this episode because we wanted to really just, one of the things, one of the things that I've been about is if you're going to turn from something, you, you, you don't just, you don't walk back, you turn away from. And for some reason, we're just going to live like the world, like we can do something wrong, pretend it didn't happen, and just move forward. That's not how the Christian church... That's it, not... Th- how that's not how, no, not at all. Ever. Never, ever. Um, this this whole idea, like... That's not one-anothering very well. No. No, you can't... You know, you, you know, it'd be like if I was the governor of North Carolina, and a story came out that either I wore blackface or a KKK hood... And instead of doing the honorable thing and saying, you know what, I was wrong, I shouldn't have done that, I'm going to relinquish my, my leadership here, clearly that was a mistake. Honestly, one, it was so long ago, I don't think you should have done that anyway. But you could have done that, right? But the, the realization is you just don't talk about it and it goes away. And if that was the worst thing you did, maybe that would be one thing. But he also, on a public interview, on the radio, said that it was perfectly acceptable for a woman who's struggling with whether or not she should carry her baby to term could have the baby, birth the baby, the baby could be put somewhere, they could make a decision about the baby, and then carry it out. He said that. And yet he's still, if, and then just don't talk about it, just let it fade into the background, and you can continue doing whatever you want. That's how the world lives, right? You know, if you're maybe the governor of, of, of New York, you could kill a whole bunch of people by bad policy, and then you could, you could, you could just not talk about it, and, and, and we'll, we'll move forward like it didn't happen literally the guy right now as the governor of new york is facing a document that's hundreds of pages long with accusations of sexual misconduct and he's like no i'm not stepping down i'm not gonna do it and you know what given the world's standard he might be totally fine that's the world's standard when we as christians do something we shouldn't we say that was wrong i shouldn't have done it that way i'm not going to do it that way anymore we don't just get to put up another article with a totally differing viewpoint that we haven't had for the past year and a half and act like oh no this is what we think i beg to differ and we will beg to differ hard we're gonna beg hard tonight oh by the way open invitation if anybody from the gospel coalition in canada wants to actually step on here and have an interaction we would love to have that but just understand we're going to leave with our bibles open we're going to talk about it all right so um so yeah we we got canceled uh 
our uh, our Facebook profile and our Instagram profile pic now has uh, said we've been canceled by the Gospel Coalition. <laughs> Super fun. Uh, you can actually you can actually you should be able to find that. Jesse created it. So if you've been canceled by the Gospel Coalition Canada, which is basically the Gospel Coalition with a maple leaf in the sea. <laughs> But if you if you have been canceled by them, you can find this banner for your profiles in the socials as well. I think all you have to do is just search the Gospel Coalition. I think it's the I think it's the only frame. It's the only frame they have so far. <laughs> yeah, well, let's just say their their social media game ain't strong. Yeah, I feel like there's also probably more frames coming down the line. Yeah, so what we wanted to do is kind of kind of flesh out this idea of what repentance actually looks like, um, how we feel the Gospel Coalition's um, communications over the past year have been, well, a bit double-minded, as the scriptures would say. Um, you know, not not to mention exegetically incorrect, um, but also this this turning around, This it's, it's almost as if there's a pleading with the government, let us back in, let us back in. And it's like, okay, it's been you know, 18, 19 months at this point. And um, all you've done was sacrifice your Christian witness on the altar of Caesar. And now you expect to have some type of audience with him. But I don't think that's how life generally works. And that's certainly not how we're supposed to act as Christians. um, You know, when we look at how we are to operate as a church um, from scripture. So um, those are the kinds of those are the kinds of topics that we're going to get into. I mean, we have some quotes from a bunch of articles. A bunch of you guys sent in um, just ton, far more articles than we could ever read. Your a lot of our Canadian friends, the hurt is deep from the past year um, of of just comments and beratements and attacks from you know Christian and secular circles for just doing what the Bible says. And, um, you know, so there's, there's lots to say. Um, and we've, we've got a couple different articles that we want to go through, but really we want to hit the, the points of double mindedness and what repentance should actually look like, what, what the gospel coalition should do at this point. Yeah. And, and here's, and here's why here's, here's, this is so important. We were talking about this. Uh, we've talked about this before. The, the point I mean, I mean, me and Jesse have talked about this before. Uh, so let me illuminate you to what we've talked about before. <laughs> when the church is double-minded, it is no wonder the culture doesn't look to it with any sort of authority. Because when the church is double-minded about what God has said in his word, it has no objective source. There's no reason to turn to the church any more than there is to turn to your local Rotary Club. There's no reason to turn to the church any more re- any more than there would be to turn to your local 4-H fair. There's no reason to turn to the church any more than there would be to to turn to a a local uh, classic car club because the church is full the full sovereignty of God is in His Word. His His everything we need for life and godliness is contained in the Scripture. We need. To, to stand boldly and not be double-minded because when we are double-minded, when we are unstable, particularly relating to what God has said, we relinquish, we relinquish our, our, 
ability to speak truth into the culture because there's there's all we are is just another country club for people to come and give money to so that they can get their name on a pew and that's that is not uh, what is going to last? That's not the church that's going to be able to last in this culture, this subjective culture. If the church wants to be another unstable area of subjective misery, then then why why go to it when you could go to literally anywhere else in culture? Just show up on Facebook on a Sunday morning where everything is subjective. It's no different. Right. So that's why this is important. That's why that's why we're a little. Well, maybe it's just me. I'm a little. <laughs> I'm a little distracted, but I'm, I'm just. I'm a little excited. Up. You're doing a great job. We had a little technical difficulties there on the old Facebook live stream, which we're trying to do too here. Well, you say we're doing a good job, but well, uh, you're t- doing. Uh, no, tell. I was saying you were doing a good job trying to get us back up and running there. Uh, but needless, let's let's that that's enough laying the groundwork for why we're doing this episode and why it's so important uh, to to address. So, what we have is a bunch is a uh, what do you have five five or six articles here. Let's call this a sampling of articles dating back. Let's see if we get the oldest one here goes. This is just covering about the last nine months from the Gospel Coalition Canada. And and all of these articles are specifically addressing a couple of a couple of key points. And that is, uh, should we be meeting at church? Should we be defying government dictates over the church service? And what is persecution? (laughs) So some of these names are not going to be familiar to us. Uh, one, because the Gospel Coalition will just solicit anybody to write an article. Uh, so that's just what they do. And some of these fam- names will be familiar to you if you're connected with um, the church in Canada. Because, you know, and you know what? This is one of the reasons. If you did listen uh, to the episode where we did, we interviewed Blake Long on his, uh, uh, his wow, book. Um, then, then you, you did hear a brief exchange on, on my feelings about the Gospel Coalition here in America. Now, I know a lot of people love the Gospel Coalition here in America, um, and honestly, I don't find it to be much different than the Gospel Coalition in Canada, and, and the reason I don't particularly like it is because there's so many wonderful resources out there. I don't feel I have to go to a place that sometimes mixes bad theology with good theology. I don't feel I need to do that. I don't think I need to go to a place where there is is truth mixed with lies, mm. right? Because it's like mixing politics with med- pol- politics with medicine, right? Where you just get politics when you mix when you mix truth with lies, <laughs> all you get I is all you get is lies. And I don't have I just don't have I don't have a lot of time for that. Um, so yeah, like oh, this article was was good by by John Piper, and then who is this guy? What did he write about how we're supposed to worship God? Like, I don't know. I don't know what he said right there about the spirit coming through a fog machine. I don't know if I like that. You know, like we don't. I don't need. I don't need to do that. There's enough good resources uh, by by good, strong Christian men that are leading, uh, that are teaching biblically. That I don't need to turn to a place that muddies the water, right? Because I can't drink muddy water. I don't. I'm not gonna. I, I want to drink good, clean water that is life sustaining. Right. <sighs> So this, this, so it doesn't matter whether you're Canada or America. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes, no, that makes sense. We were canceled by the Gospel Coalition in Canada, so we're speaking directly to them. Hey, you want to? If you'd like to interact, we'd love to interact with you. Um, just don't bring a subjective truth to an objective truth fight. That's all I'm saying. <sighs> that's a T-shirt. Thing, isn't it? So, um, but where are we now? And then we'll we'll go. So, so I, I recently I read uh, they just well they released it back in February a, a letter to the premiers of the provinces and territories of Canada, and this is a 
a stating basically like, hey, guys, um, we can't do this forever. Um, you know, we, 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 we kind of have, you know, this thing going on, this religious thing going on, and we would like to, you know, get back to it at some point. And, um, you know, the, the church does generate, you know, a decent amount of revenue for the country. So we would like to, you know, continue to do that. And, you know, if you would kindly, uh, you know, let us do that. Now, that was a very interesting document. Um, From what I understand, Joe Boot and uh, Reverend Dr. Uh, Aaron Rock uh, co-authored a statement um, saying, um, well, much more strongly uh, made the case why churches should not close. Um, But that was like a year ago. That was like a year ago. Um, So too little too late. Um, so here, here, here before us, this, this first article that we're going to mention, it's called Does a Bad Government Deserve to be Obeyed? This is uh, written from December 17th, 2020. So literally a good, you know, 10 months into this pandemic. Yeah, this is coming up on what would have been the, the I believe, the third or fourth round. I, I get. I literally am confused. It's either the third or fourth rounds of shutdowns in Canada. You will. Those of you listening in Canada would know because uh, basically they they shut you down seasonally, particularly around high holy holidays. You know what with Advent uh, in December and you know what with Easter in uh, uh, spring. So. <laughs> I don't know if it's the third or fourth oh, time you're they. Just, you're just some kind of conspiracy. I don't. I, I'm Justin. just saying. You, I'm just saying. What do you wear? Funny hats? <laughs> you know, when you're by yourself in your house. You all of them are tinfoil. Uh, <laughs> all I'm saying is, is this was either the third or fourth shutdown. That's when this article popped up this past Christmas. Um, and the article, the article which whose title you read is written by Paul Martin. Did you read his name? Uh, I don't think I'd have. Okay, well, let me read his name. His name's Paul Martin. Paul Martin wrote the article. Do I know who Paul Martin is? I have no idea. Nope. Um, and that's really neither here nor there. Um, what he did was basically take um, a very well thought out uh, article written by doc- the Reverend Dr. Aaron Rock, who we had on last week, and we are very thankful uh, for his ministry uh, to us as uh, both as Christian men uh, as and as a small church here in South Jersey as well. Um, we are thankful for his ministry to us, but he wrote a, an article. I believe he had nine main points in his article and they were all very, uh, clearly thought out and very succinct. It was not an overbearing article, uh, whatsoever. And Paul Martin, uh, took umbrage with, uh, Dr. Rock's sixth point, particularly, um, although he found himself agreeing with much of what Dr. Rock wrote, which makes sense. What with it being biblical and all <laughs> and, and incredibly logical, the correct, one. <laughs> what with it being incredibly Logical. Uh, nonetheless, Doctor Rock's sixth point that he wrote about in the in his article was we that I forget what the main statement started it with <laughs> um, because unconditional submission to civil authority is not Christian. I gotta, you know what? This is why you got that. You want to get that? Run that I'm, down. I'm pulling, I'm pulling Pull up the original article because because he had basically a statement and then he wrote nine points addressing it. And we're looking at point six. Is that what we're doing? Yeah, but just the main statement. Like, we don't do this, then the points would come in. Because why, di- why divine, o- why divine obedience is. over civil obedience is a wow. Christian duty. Thanks for coming in and saving me there. Hey, listen, it took us a little bit, but we got it. Um, and point six is because unconditional submission to civil authority is not Christian. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Yeah. That is correct. Um, it is not. It is It is not okay for Christians to uh, just willy-nilly submit to the government uh, in, a, in a manner that does not actually consider uh, Christ the king, who is king over and lord over all. 
And that is that is the key point that he's trying to make there. So now that you know what his sixth point was, I want you to understand Mr. Martin, or it doesn't say, I don't see a doctor before his name in the article. So I think we're going to go with Mr. Martin. Um, Mr. Martin here took umbrage with the fact that uh, Dr. Rock uses, obviously goes to Romans 13 and explains that that is clearly calling on the the civil authority to rule in righteousness and and wield the sword for unrighteousness. Um, it's to literally affirm those who are doing righteousness and to wield the sword against those who are doing unrighteousness. You mean God didn't grant the government authority to just have free reign over all peoples at all times to do whatever they willed? I mean just that, actually. Whoa. I know. It's 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 crazy. I but, wish that they had that authority. But let's let's all, you you know how sometimes they people refer to a slippery Jersey. slope <laughs> and they and they and they it's like an incline that maybe is like slick and hard to climb up or or rather easy to slide down, a slippery slope. What the problem is what what Mr. Martin does is creates a vertical ledge uh, and then places you three feet off the edge of it and lets go. That's what. That's the kind of fallacy that's created here. So one of the things he actually says, right, uh, to summarize. Oh, yes, the, the falling man off of the cliff fallacy. <laughs> that fallacy, yes. The I've dropped you over a cliff now, so hold on tight. Oh, wait, you can't, you're, you're falling. Um, what do you... <laughs> What, what he does to summarize here is, in other words, a Christian is not required to obey a governing authority when that Christian determines the governing authority is not doing good and or avenging evil. Now, one of the things I want to say here quickly is the, the biblical terms are righteousness and unrighteousness because they're based on the primary source of God. Yes. God being That's, the moral authority, not not the... Not the Christian. It's not when the Christian determines. The Christian Correct. also doesn't have the right to just uh, arbitrate anything. The Christian yes, looks yes. looks yes, yes. to the scriptures, to you know God's, God's word. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's not like the Christians making up authority and then using that authority to say, ah, you know what? No, my authority over the government's authority. It's not the Christian's authority over the government's authority. No, it's God's, God's authority over over all <laughs> things. <laughs> Oh, anyway, all right. Like, what so, a mischaracter. That's just a complete mischaracterization of the argument. It truly is. And now, let's, let, let, me, let me pull out one of, the, one of the examples he gives. One of the examples he gives is Jesus Christ before Pilate. Jesus looks at Pilate, right? And he says, you would have no authority if it were not given from God, my father. Right? You recall this hmm. in the Gospels? Yes, I do. Okay. So he uses that. And, and he uses that to determine that, see, even Jesus... Wait for it. He submitted to Pilate's unrighteous rule. Okay. Okay. Even and even though his authority as a ruler stemmed from God, so a, a, a we we should follow this. Submit to an unrighteous ruler in his unrighteous decrees, because his authority comes from God. Oh. Now here's a danger here. <laughs> don't don't. Here's a danger I'm here. Try not to laugh in the mood because I don't want it to get too loud. <laughs> one might think that perhaps Jesus would then be condoning unrighteousness. Correct. Hmm. Well, it would sound like the argument. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like it's here and like I I don't believe this is Mr. Martin's intent. However, it is an absolute correlation. This means. That Jesus actively worked with the unrighteousness of a ruler. Uh oh. What does that make him? I don't know, but it's not good. So, how about instead we take half a beat to realize that Jesus had already petitioned his father that if there was any other way the cup could pass from him, 
that it be done. But the answer was, nevertheless, right, your will be done. The answer was, my will is this. Jesus knew that was his will. And Jesus consistently in the Gospel of John followed the will of the Father, right? So what Jesus is saying here is, I am going to follow the will of my Father. He's literally looking at the unrighteous ruler who's ruling in unrighteousness and saying, I will not follow you. You can make this decree only because you are being allowed to make the decree. But in even in you doing that, what I am following is my father, my father, who has laid the plan out to actually pull us from sin and death unto salvation through the cross. So it's almost as if it was God's will that Jesus would would die on the cross for the salvation of humanity. Nay, it's even more so that Jesus knew what God's will was and is actually following God's following will. Following God's will. And saying, no, you are ruling in unrighteousness, though your authority comes from my Father, because it is his will that you would rule in unri- unrighteousness here, that he may be glorified. Yeah. Holy and the thing Christ. is that Jesus knew that. The Father had made that manifest, made that known to him. And Jesus was simply carrying that out. It's ironic because in that moment, if you, if you look at it, interesting, yes, Pilate was using an unjust decree. Jesus Christ did nothing to deserve death. But in that, he was actually doing the will. He was being used to accomplish the will of the Father in that. This is not, this is not the argument that Aaron Rock and that the scriptures is trying to make. The apostles disobeyed the government when God's word was explicitly given to them and they could not, if, if by doing what the government had asked them to do, they would be disobeying God. That's the category in which, that's the, that's the category of thing we're dealing with. Not, uh, n- not Pilate and Jesus and actually God's will being accomplished, but us knowing God's will, us knowing God's revealed will, I guess I should say, us knowing God's revealed will when we pit God's revealed will up against man's Caesar's decree, it's always God's will and nothing else. You crazy, ludicrous man. I can't believe what you're saying right now. It's almost like it's Orthodox Christianity. It's almost like historical, biblical, Orthodox Christianity. Oh my gosh. How many um, more adjectives? <laughs> Put in the chat how many more adjectives do you think? How many more adjectives should we add to this? <laughs> I, all right, so so all right that that's one of the things he actually used to, and also can I just point out he now in in Doctor Rock's article he highlights Acts five. This is where Peter and Peter and John literally look at the leaders saying that if you keep doing this, we're going to arrest you, we're going to put you in jail, we're going to beat you, and they say who should we listen to? Who should we submit to? Should we submit to you or should we submit to God? Because we're going to go ahead and submit to God now. Right, that was their answer, and that's a perfectly valid passage to to use here because it highlights what the point that Doctor Rock is making, which is that when a civil authority overreaches beyond what God has called us to do, we do not then submit ourselves and listen and follow the civil authority. We follow what God has called us to do. Now right. we do that as peaceably as we can. However, there are instances when that is called direct conflict between the Christian Church and the civil authorities. Yes. All right, so having said that, okay, but and by the way, Paul does that all the time. He's literally, there's literally one chapter in Acts where he goes from Jew to Pharisee to Roman citizen to Jew to Roman citizen using whatever possible identity he can use like a secret agent Mm -hmm. to afford him the most opportunity for the gospel, by the way. So literally, okay, we, we are called to leverage everything, right? That is not sin. We leverage everything that is righteous for the glory of the gospel. 
That means we have to hold righteousness high, the biblical standard high. That means we we certainly we right subvert civil magistrates as best we can for the glory of the gospel if what they are doing is calling us to obey in unrighteousness. Holy Moses. It's not it's not hard. You were here's the thing. I know that these guys who grew up in Christianity were taught this. This is the most basic level of our understanding as to who God is and who we are. And you know what? Growing up, I heard this very thing. I heard that we should obey God rather than man. We should obey God rather than man. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the apostles, all of these examples. Now, I never thought that I would live to see a day where this will actually you know, have to manifest itself in my life because we, we were living pretty good for a good while there. Yeah, regarding like the biggest our persecution liberty. was like, oh, no, guys, I'm, I'm not going to be able to watch the football game with you this Sunday because go I'll church. be at church. Yeah. And they might say, what's why would you go to church, man? You're going to miss the game, right? That might be the level of persecution. Yeah. Back way back in the aught 90s. Right, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but things are a bit different now. So. So and, and I'll just read it because I don't think we've read it yet. So Hebrews ten twenty four and 25 says this. It says, And let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other all the more as you see the day approaching. And this is, this is one of the most basic texts to argue for the for the regular personal physical gathering of the church. And so when you have this, when you have the scripture that says don't neglect gathering together because some people were neglecting ha- gathering together because it it literally says that some and, were doing it. This that. isn't like oh um they had a they, they they were sick so they stayed home. That's a wise thing to do. This is like they were habitually habitually not gathering together. Them. Like say they were literally taking a month to a year to not gather together, right. to not physically meet, to bear one another's burdens, to stir one another up to good works, to take sacraments together, to to baptize, to right. to practice the spiritual gifts which you cannot practice through an electronic cable. To they they they, well, they, they couldn't really practice much <laughs> through an electronic cable back then. Well, back then, no, they couldn't. But you know, we're more advanced, so now we can we can literally practice. Yes, we're not going to get through many of these articles. All right, no, but 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 but, but oh, so what? I, what I'm trying to say is, God has revealed to us in this command what we should do, and what you'll see as as a pattern in these articles. Um, is that there's usually one or two, uh, or two, two or three different things that get that get pits, that's that gets, wow, there's two worse. or three issues that they say come into conflict. You know, the first issue is this verse. Um, you know, they say yes, we should gather. You know, okay, great, good. Point one, good. Um, next is something like a Romans 13 argument saying we are to o- obey the civil authorities um, above us. And then uh, I forget what the third step is. But but the, so those two get pitted against one another. And then mysteriously, at some point in the article, this Hebrews 10 verse bloop, just gets thrown right out the window. And so the only command you're left with is obey the civil governing authorities. Oh, man. Well, what about the, you know what? We haven't gotten to the article where the guy is literally like, uh, God desires mercy rather than, than sacrifice. Mm. Or or what is the other? You know what? 
one thing at a time. So in this current article with Mr. Martin, Martin actually says this. Now listen to this. He actually makes this caveat that there, you know, there might be a way for us to go to church. He says, <laughs> get this, if a case could be made, he says those words. He says, if a case could be made that the provincial government's lockdown order was prohibiting Christians from obeying God, then <laughs> there would be good reason to consider civil disobedience. My word. It's so... Now do you see why we opened up with, with double-minded? Now do you see why we opened up you can't serve two masters? Because it's so plainly in front of them. They just, like I said, it just literally, bloop, it just goes right out the, so so when Ontario is limited to 10 people in a building, right? Yeah. Well, they're still allowing you to gather. 10 but, people that are appropriately socially distanced and masked. Let's not, let's not just get crazy here. Okay. Right. We're not even, we weren't even planning on talking about addressing the mass. This is about whether you should meet or not. No, I'm just saying that there's, there's not, it's not just there's like, more stipulations all right, than just 10 people. all right. Everybody line up outside the door. We'll take you in in a group of 12, and then we'll usher you out the back in a group of 12. It's that on top of all the other COVID restrictions inside while you're gathering together as 12. So say you have a church of 100 people. Let's not get crazy here. Let's say you have a church of 100 people. Let's say you're going to have 10 people at a time. Make it easy. You're going to have 10 people at a time. I love this math. This math is working out really good. I like easy math. You can't function as a church. You can't do this. Imagine so the, it's almost like it's almost like the government had made decrees against the command of the scriptures. Imagine, you know what? Imagine how easy it is for one man to draw so much power to themselves if that's your context as a pastor, right? Hmm. Now you bring in the groups of people in groups of 10. You get to tell them what to do in this small little group. You can really have these deep penetrating conversations. You can get to know all these people. You know what these other people can't do? They can't get to know you. Not in a group. They can't have a conversation. They can't know you together in corporate context. They can't see you interact. They can't see you interact with your family. They can't see what areas you struggle with. You can literally, you know, and it's it's a it's a it, there's no accountability there. You can all live however the heck you want, however the heck you want. Yeah, it's like your pastor teaching in a suit and tie and is on in, in a in a in a pink thong. You would have no idea on the internet. All you've seen is a suit and tie. The dude's got. Some sort of downstairs mix-up going on. It It's a lie. It's a front. It's a sham. And you know what? It's not the civil magistrate's church. God told us what the civil magistrate was for in Romans 13. And, you know, so here, at the end of this, in, in Dr. Rock's article, now I'm quoting from Dr. Rock's article, he addresses these concerns that Martin raises the in a simple way. <laughs> in a very simple way. He says that if you're going to live in this way where where you don't treat God's word with important uh, the importance and, and weight that it should have as a sovereign word of God, right? And if instead, right, you you say that we should submit to the government, he 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 ends his his point six this way in his article. He says one could ask if subjugation is that far reaching, even willfully permitting oneself to be hurt by the state, then how can we not chastise the underground church in China? for meeting in secret. Shouldn't they obey their Chinese governments? Or mm. how can we justify resisting in Canada Bill C-6, which would literally, which is literally set up. Even Paul it's Carter the at the Gospel... Act on steroids. Correct. It's in America, it's the Equality Act for on steroids in, in Canada. Even Paul Carter, who we'll, we'll, 
hear from in a little bit, himself from the Gospel Coalition admits that Bill C-6 would damage churches, all right? So, so this is the question. How can we justify resisting Bill C-6, which will assuredly be used to coerce the church in Canada from preaching the full gospel to sexually confused people, right? If we're supposed to submit, how can we possibly resist that? Or, or, or understand this. Submission to government authority is not an absolute command for for followers of Christ. That's the truth. That's what he says. He ends his point six that way because it's clear that there are times when the church should not submit to the governing authorities. If If they were to submit to the governing authorities, then all we do is smack the faces of the thousands and hundreds of thousands of martyrs for Jesus Christ that have come before us. Because they should have just listened to the civil authorities. Why did they get burned as human tortures in Nero's garden? Why did they get fed to to the wild animals in the Colosseum? John never should have went and picked a fight, you know, being provocative. Certainly, William Tyndale should not have thought people should just read the Bible freely. But not only that, not only that, is it, is it a slap in the face of the martyrs, is that when you obey Caesar's command over God's command, you are dethroning the Lord of the universe Holy in your heart. Holy crud, my gosh. You're dethroning the Lord of the universe in your heart. That's not judged with kindness. And in God's church. <laughs> right. <laughs> taking God off the throne in his own church. Right. It's, it's just as ludicrous as... As the the Israelites placing false gods in God's temple, it is just as ludicrous. Because, like, why are we throwing out Hebrews ten? Why? Because it's inconvenient to stand up to authority. Because, you know what? I'll just I'll just come out and say it. It may be inconvenient, especially particularly when you find yourself a big organization that has lots of clout, and you might be entangled in some of the very issues. With uh, these government leaders that have clout, and maybe you're trying to, you know, uh, save face and uh, make as many connections as you can to. Yeah. Uh, That's why we call this legacy evangelicalism, because just like the legacy media, it's just got to go. This, this backing down, this cozying up, this throwing, just the, the blatant throwing away of the biblical texts is just absolutely asinine, and it's not Christian. It's not Christian. Which is why we're calling for repentance, actual repentance. But as I was discussing with you earlier, I don't think, I don't think the Gospel Coalition, even in these new articles where they're encouraging people to try to go back to church, because shocker, not many people are going back. Why would they? I wonder how that's hurt in the bottom line. Probably, probably a decent amount. Hmm. Um, but that's why we call it the legacy media. It's just got to go. A new generation of Christians must rise up in our own hearts first and foremost, and then in the hearts of our children and our families and our neighbors and, and, and all on down the line that holds tight to God's word, that treats it with the respect it deserves, and, and that places the authority back in the hands of God, not in the hands of the government. Yeah, it needs to be legacy Christianity. It needs to be us leaving legacies in our homes. It's not legacy evangelicalism where we're giving a legacy to an organization or or, or 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 a thought. We're giving legacy to Christ. It's his. He is supreme. He is king. He is Lord over all. We can hit these next three really quick because I just want to say this guy, Paul Carter, who I hear is something of a big deal, like Ron Burgundy up there in the Gospel Coalition in Canada. It's a big side. A, a big... <laughs> Paul Carter, I do not know you. I'm sure you are very, uh, very intelligent 
uh, and and you're very good at being concise. You try to keep your articles short, except for that one, which I was like, oh my gosh, is he going to keep quoting this Roman emperor for so long? Stop it. You know, I've, I actually have been personally blocked by Paul Carter. Well, congratulations. But I, I have not been blocked by uh, the, the Gelding Coalition's own uh, Ra- Paul- Raoul Cartier. <laughs> the Gelding Coalition, which is... Which some might say by any other name would be the Gospel Coalition of Canada. All right. Um, <laughs> anyway, Paul Carter has a real issue with persecution. I don't know. It's almost like it's almost like he's got something stuck somewhere about this. So literally, on uh, May second, two thousand twenty-one, he wrote an article for the Gospel Coalition entitled "Persecution: Birth Pang or Pruning? How Should We Interpret This Pandemic?" He followed that up on May sixth. 2021 that would be a whopping four days later with uh, wait what yeah oh may 2nd may 2nd that was may 2nd and then four days later may 6th he followed that up with what if we had 50 years before the outbreak of formal persecution in canada and if that wasn't enough just a month later on june 6 2021 of this year he wrote a case study in persecution lessons from first peter so here's what I'm going to tell you. Uh, the guy's got it uh, uh, real bad for, for persecution. He really loves to talk about it. One might say he's a masochist, but in reality, he has no idea what persecution is. And if it smacked him in the face, I think he would think it was a love tap, perhaps a kitten kiss. He would have no idea. Literally. Well, obviously. Obviously, he would have no idea because he's had no idea. <sighs> so here's just here's just some... some. I just want to get this all out here. Here's here, We'll go to the May 6th article. 2021. What if we had what if we had 50 years before the outbreak of formal persecution in Canada? The point of this article, you may wonder, what is it? I'll tell you. It's this that from the time Peter writes in 1 Peter 3:13 about about persecution in uh in the church, there's actually 50 years before there would be real persecution. From that verse to the when there would then be real persecution in the Roman Empire is 50 years. That's what he says. And he says during that time where it wasn't where it wasn't real persecution because <laughs> he has a real and not real persecution because he gets to dictate that where when it wasn't real persecution the church flourished and and we're in that time and we need to take advantage of that time because there's not real persecution now clearly you may you may have not picked up on this yet but Paul Carter himself has not been thrown in prison for holding church despite what the government has said and he has not been fined no for way. holding church despite what the government says no yeah, way yeah it turns out he does not face 2 years in prison and $400,000 in fines no go way. figure he doesn't face any of that you mm. know why because he hasn't held church in like geez a year Anyway, so here's what he, here's his argument, right? He says the apostle Peter wrote to stabilize these congregations so as to preserve their active gospel witness in the culture. He wanted to right size the challenges that they faced. So he asked them in 1 Peter 3:13, a very small paraphrase from this large context of scripture that that Peter uses. He pulls this out. Who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? He is literally making the passage sound like what Peter is saying is if you're doing good, who's going to harm you? As if that's what Peter was saying. He then goes on. Christians have a tendency to see demons behind every bush. We have a tendency to exaggerate the opposition that we are facing. And so Peter wanted to brace them and sustain them in their troubles. It would be foolish to run in the barn at the first sight of rain. Let me read to you 1 Peter three thirteen through 15. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Verse 14. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, 
it's almost like Peter knew. Whoa. Even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Oh. And here, what a great verse. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Wow. It's it's almost like not only are we supposed to obey God, but we are supposed to be ready to defend ourselves in that act. In, you know, pretty much any area of life. You might say you should be willing to engage wherever it is, at work, at home, in church, on social media, just about wherever, you know, yeah. anywhere you could, you would be having a conversation, interacting over cultural ideas. You should be bringing biblical truth, ready to give a defense for the hope that was in you. Oh. How's anybody going to know if you have any hope if you look just like all the other scared people that won't live life inside your homes instead of holding the God honoring sacred gathering of the body together in person? It's so bad. He then he went on to say this. Thankfully, this is the church now in, that Peter was writing to where he quotes only, who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? Thankfully, they got the message. They stayed in the field. They focused on mission. And by the grace of God, they transformed an entire region. Additionally, he says, witness work takes place. <laughs> witness work takes place in the public square. That's where we need the most help. That's where we need the maximum number of boots on the ground. And interestingly, that work tends to be most effective in the cause of preserving our preserving our permission. I don't know. Did you ask anybody for permission to worship God? Jeez Louise. I sure as heck didn't. No. Let me just say something. Let me just say something. My word. There's so much to say. Real quick. Real quick. What he is saying is, what he literally makes in in the paragraph right right before witness work takes place in public square, he makes the argument Mm -hmm. that you need to leave the interactions with the government to the big organizations because they have the cultural clout to actually interact with the the government. The denominations. So let me tell you something. That is the most arrogant crap I've ever heard coming from someone at a big church or a big denomination with a big old gospel coalition organization behind them. It is that's arrogant. It, it is it is so it is so arrogant. It is it is saying no 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 you you guys you guys just do your thing over there we'll we'll take care of the big discussions. Well, what happens when you don't have the big discussions? What happens when you stray away from the Bible? What who's going to hold you accountable? The other people in your big organization that are doing the same exact things? That's not church. We're just going to wait until the government says it's okay for us to go back to church, eh? That's not family. You know, I it, it just read in First Corinthians twelve talking about the spiritual gifts that that. That literally every part is indispensable. He's dispensing of gifts here. He's throwing them away. By relegating them to just their Christian witness to the peers, you don't get to enter. You don't get to come up to this. The bo- You just be the boots on the ground. Also, let's be clear. Don't say that that's where the work is won, but we can't interact with the government. Like, Don't say that. If you're saying it's where it's won, guess what? You know what? <laughs> Let me tell you something. Down here in America, we know a little bit of something about you know the masses rising up against the man. But we know how uh, we know how important it can be at times. Now you may not have had to learn that as you kissed the ring up there north. Okay, no offense, guys. I'm not talking to everybody. This is just for Paul Carter. Okay, I know we appreciate you, strong Christians, standing in the face of tyranny. But that's what you have to do with tyranny: <laughs> stand in the face of it and say, "No, I will not serve you." 
I will serve God. And yes, it is one. It is one by boots on the ground. It's one by boots on the ground saying, no, we will not, we will not stand for this. This is the line. This is our church. We will worship God here. You have no business stepping over this line. And it does work. It does work. You know why? Because it doesn't have to work with the government in Canada. It turns out most of them are a bunch of godless heathens that hate him, mm. right? It doesn't have to work with them. It has to work in the hearts of the culture. You know what's happened to a lot of these churches that are staying open, taking stands, and loving Christ, and serving him in an underground capacity at this point? What? what what's happening? The Lord has added greatly to their numbers. Whoa. People who actually would not even have been to church, who are literally just freedom-loving people, are like, you know who's standing for freedom? Those, those Christians over there are standing for freedom. I'm going to go hear what's going on over there. And then they find their way into a church service. And then they hear the gospel preached. And then they said, oh, my gosh, you mean there's an actual objective source for all this stuff I feel inside? Wow. There's an actual objective source for freedom, the way that I feel we should be able to live? It is. It's Christ. And if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed, yeah. my friend. Now come get baptized. And that's exactly what they're saying. Not your avatar, your actual <laughs> physical body. Uh, You're being baptized. Uh, uh, I, know, I, know Trinity, I know Trinity Bible Chapel. They just they just hold they just held or are holding more um I think this coming week, you know, as they meet on their field because they're because the, the what is it, the Toronto Blue Jays? Is that is that what they are? Yes, that is correct. The Toronto Blue Jays can have a packed out stadium, but Trinity can't still can't get into their church. That's so funny. It's almost like you can worship the Toronto Blue Jays, but you can't worship the all powerful true God of the world. Oh, it's almost like there's some type of unequal weights and measures being applied. Holy crud there, you think? Maybe like a double standard. Yay, that's a messed up thing. But guess there. what? You don't see double standards when you're double minded. So here's what I got. Here's what Ooh. I got. Here's what I got for Trinity Chapel. You do that. You get on that, yeah. baby. Trinity Bible Chapel. Keep that up. You baptize Dr. Rock, Pastor Coates, Dr. Boots. Boot, not boots, but boot on the ground. <laughs> oh, <laughs> if the no. truth hurts, bear it. All right. <laughs> oh, my no, gosh. But, but yes, and I mean, Har- Harvest Bible is doing the same thing. These churches are growing. They are baptizing. I mean, you saw the pictures and the videos coming out of Grace Life, when they were finally let into their building, you couldn't fit more people in that building. I didn't get to talk to Pastor Rob, but do you remember when we, when we, we had him on at a men's group? Uh, so he came on, and yeah. he was so kind, and he met with us, and we got to pray with him. He prayed for us. We prayed for him, yeah. and it was such a wonderful time at our men's group. Beautiful there. time. It was just our normal Monday, men, Tuesday night men's group, and it was such a wonderful time to Skype with him and talk with him. Uh, that was back in March. I want to say March. You you got me. I've got absolutely no idea. I want to say it was March to April, somewhere in there. Yeah, somewhere in there. Uh, anyway, neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, it is here nor there because that's that was uh, we're that Mar- March April is you know, the, the third or fourth month. We're in the eighth month now. When we were talking to him, he's like, you know, we're a church, you know, six to seven hundred. And when we talked to him, it's like we're a church of a thousand. Where did all those people come from? Yeah. Where'd they come from? They came from bold Christian witness saying, no, we will worship God despite what you have said. And freedom loving people said, wow, it's almost like Jesus is for freedom. He's for the best freedom. And that's the whole thing. We thrive off of this. This is the reformation. This is the the eyes of the people being illuminated. This is Nero. The church grows under persecution. Yeah. And this is persecution. Right. This is people following people with their Bibles open and then saying, 
what the heck? Your words aren't in the Bible. I know you're not feeling persecution in your beautiful study with the walls filled with books and the nice comfy leather couch and whatever. I know that you're not feeling persecution there, but it's easy to not feel persecution there because the government looks at you and says, that guy's a joke. He's not leading anybody to God. We don't have to worry about that guy. He's good. We're we're doing a great job. Doing a great job over there in your your office. I like it. The, the problem with the problem with complying and complying for over a year is that you have absolutely no clout whatsoever you, you are no th- you're no threat to the government you, you you could have been you could have been a threat saying hey look guys if you shut this down like a year ago saying hey look guys uh, if you shut this down uh, we're just going to meet anyway but all of those economic benefits you know even if you wanted to mention that all those economic benefits or the societal benefits they're just going to go away because all the people are just not going to rub elbows with us and the people that would have been better aren't going to be better anymore no you could have done that but instead what you did was you abdicated that responsibility you gave it over to satan and now satan's been leading while you've been sitting and doing what or, or or you know what finding some weird strange messed up ways to actually get the work done like oh yeah no you just have 15 services I've, I've heard i've heard some of the pastors argue up there no no you just you just have multiple services in order to fit all the people with the with the number restrictions yeah that that could count like 10 15 20 services depending on the size of your church and the limit of the restriction and i'm sorry that's no way to pastor it's also no way to grow a church my word. It's not a way to grow a people. It's no way to build a family, covenant family of God. It's no way to do that. No way to do it. Oh. Oh, man. Let's um, see. Let's check. Let's check. How long have we been? Uh, oh, two hours? Three hours? Uh, we, we are at an hour and five minutes. Oh, are, are, there any, are there any other points that we, that we want to cover in any of these uh, things? I will say that that was not the only... So just to read the titles, uh, that, was May, <laughs> that was from May 6th. Four days earlier, the article that was written by Paul Carter on May 2nd of 2021 was persecution, birth pang, or pruning. Here... Here he makes the argument that what we're facing is not is not persecution. Not we, uh, but like what churches that have faced persecution, what pastors have gone to jail, what pastors have been fined for holding worship to God. The churches that are meeting in undisclosed locations and in smaller groups simply so that they can continue to meet. Those churches that are facing persecution, he says, is it persecution, birth pang, or pruning? Now he makes this he makes the case that it is both birth pang and pruning, but it is not. What it is not is persecution. This guy has such a thing. He is hell-bent on persecution. If you're not being drawn and quartered, it's not persecution. If you're not being lit on fire at the stake, it's not persecution. So so the the then he does an article from June 6th, the article a month later from the, the first article we did, called A Case Study in Persecution. Here's, here's just one quote from that. What we're experiencing here in Ontario and throughout most of the provinces in Canada is inconvenient and exhausting. But it doesn't feel to me like persecution, and I don't think it would be helpful for our people if I called it that. I think this letter from the Apostle Peter cautions me. He's using this. He literally just used so many quotes from the other article. It was almost like so lazy. Also, Peter cautions me about making too much of the difficulties that I'm facing. No, he doesn't. You just took eight words from two verses that are much fully, three verses that much more fully explain what Peter was saying. My word. He doesn't caution you about making too much of the difficulties that he's facing. What he says is, is who's going to persecute you for doing good? When they persecute you for doing good, <laughs> right. be strong in doing good. Yeah. <laughs> don't, not don't avoid not avoid the persecuting <laughs> at all costs. You know, I wonder if Peter knew anything about persecution. What was going upside down on the cross there? Mm. You know what? That wasn't 50 years after he wrote First Peter either. That was before 50 years after he wrote First oh. Peter. So it's almost like that happened, that not persecution was going on. And then all of a sudden, it's almost like persecution was, you know, there. In Second Peter, he knew persecution, his death end was coming quickly, if you read Second Peter. I just... True. 
So that's just Paul Carter. Man's got a man's got a real. He's got something to say to all those pastors that are facing persecution, which, by the way, is any time that your government's overreaching against the truth of God, that's called persecution. OK, if, the, if there is an authority telling you you can't follow God the way he has called you to follow him, that's persecution. OK, anyway. So, well, you know, there's so much more to say. Uh, there's there's so much more to say. But, but that's what happens, right? That's what happens when it, almost a year's time passes and this stuff continues to come out and come out and come out and come out. You know, we we, we didn't have the literally, you know, five months ago, we didn't know any Canadians. We didn't know. We had no idea what was going on. Oh, wait, I wanted to there's so there. many good quotes from this one. Stephen Wedgworth, on January 4th of 2021, the beginning of this year, said, should churches submit to... This is the article title from the Gospel Coalition Canada. Should churches submit to orders that close public worship due to public health concerns? A British Columbian pastor reflects on the tension of public worship and public health. Now, I have no doubt that Stephen Wedgworth, a British Columbian pastor, has experienced tension about public worship and public health. He makes the argument... Uh, the very clear and explicit argument that we should not. Now, January 4th, 2021, if I'm not mistaken, you're approaching a year at that point, all right, here in America of these whole lockdowns and government mandates and relaxing and then restricting and then relaxing, okay, here in America. So I'm assuming that was a you know similar timeline up there, including the Great White North, okay? You're approaching a year now of lockdowns. So I have no doubt that he had reflections on the tensions of public worship and public health. Yet his article still maintains that there is the biblical precedent is we should continue to follow the civil dictates of the government who is continuing to tell you you cannot worship God as he states he is to be worshipped. A year later. So I don't know. I'm assuming Stephen Wedgworth is a very kind and and well-intentioned man. But he's off the mark. So here's some quotes. The first thing that needs to be done is the thing least often done. We need to distinguish, and this is a big problem right away, we need to distinguish which aspects of the pandemic interact with uniquely Christian or spiritual and biblical matters and which aspects are earthly and temporal. What the heck kind of dichotomies are being oh, well, let me explain and to you. sliced up here? Particular Christian issues are those which directly affect a biblical, moral duty, or spiritual doctrine. Questions of orthodoxy, sin, and salvation fall under this topic. Oh, he's not about to As well as some questions of ecclesiology. However, he says this. Questions that are matters of earthly jurisdiction are those which are answered by basic human re- Basic human reason, no. the physical sciences, no. or the more subjective arts of politics, <laughs> economics, no. and social sciences. Yeah, I don't think this guy's a Christian. Well, he definitely struggles with two things. One, the sovereignty of God, and two, the supremacy of, of the scriptures. That's yeah. something he certainly... Yeah. Certainly, certainly the lordship of Christ comes into question here. He says, what an important if question... <laughs> If the sovereign God, the ruler and maker of all things, is not is not the one that is not the one, if in the physical instances human those questions are answered by basic human reason, you mean the same humans that in your country and in ours are trying to say that men can become women and compete in each other's sports? Hey, that's part of the physical sciences and such that men can menstruate and bear children. 
Why don't you ask God what he thinks about that? You know, we studied it. I think he <laughs> thinks it's absurd. You, you know, they made that new emoji with the guy. We talked about this a couple yeah, weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. Did you know that that's literally, we talked about this at church, but but you might not you know, the, the listener may not know. It, it's, a, it's literally what the god Happy from the Egyptian god, god of the Nile. He literally was a dude with a big fat belly and breasts and a beard. That's what the god of Happy looked like because he, he was literally a god that would give life with through the Nile. And we literally took him and made him emoji in twenty. <laughs> we are false idol worshippers. Our culture is so deeply, nefariously idolatrous. Here's what something is deceitfully wicked above all things. Like, what is this? What is this guy? What Bible version is this guy reading? Well, it's not one that would contain truth. Stephen Wedgworth continued here and says. Uh, says, when an important question largely depends upon earthly wisdom and expertise, let me just to clarify, um, an important question oh, never largely depends gosh. upon earthly wisdom and expertise. <laughs> but he said, he goes on to say, Christians should care deeply about it, but they ought not to conflate it with religious faith and practice. Christian, dear Christian, please oh, conflate important questions yes. with religious faith and practice. Conflate it. Hard. Oh, conflate it all up Hardly in there. conflate it, please. He goes on to say they ought not to call it a spiritual truth and they ought not to raise it to the level of conscience. This person is not in orthodoxy. It is also important he goes another quote. It is also important to remember that the greatest risk is not primarily that a person might catch the disease, but that they might spread it without being aware. That is what makes the current pandemic so difficult. Oh my gosh, thank you for conveying what transmissible disease ha- is. Like Whoa. like it's the first time we've ever heard of it. He also says, thus, if we do not hold a position of public, civil, or political authority, then we do... (laughs) This is great. If we do not hold a position of public, civil, or political authority, then we do not have the same burden to decide public matters. We do, however, have a duty to submit to those who do have such authority. Wow, he's drinking some of that Paul Carter water. (laughs) However, he goes on to say, however, the civil magistrate does have a legitimate authority over the earthly conditions around the worship service. Pound sand. All right. We can see this rather easily when it comes to electrical codes, parking lot requirements, or fire safety laws. You know what this goes? This has got me thinking. What? 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 Why do we have electrical codes, parking lot requirements, or fire safety laws? I feel like if I have a building, the government can just uh, lick my feet. I don't understand. You know, he makes a good point here. Right, he actually yeah. points out, you know what? The government doesn't get to dictate a lot of things that they t- get dictated, and maybe we should really start to realize and grab back some of the freedom that we actually do have. Yeah, it's, it's almost like the government has too much power. It's almost like God actually manufactured the government to operate in a certain way, and perhaps now in 2021, they're operating over and above that authority. Yeah, I feel like he just highlighted a bunch of ways that the government can come into my house and dictate how and where I can live and what I can do inside my own home. I feel like that's what he just highlighted. You know what? No. No, this is this this is this is not your sovereignty. Fear of sovereignty here. Oh, Patrick, you're right, Patrick. I, I, that's, that's what I feel like we're doing. I feel like we're doing a, uh, what is it? A Lutheran satire. Lutheran, Lutheran satire. It's so funny. Those guys. All right. Um, that's enough for tonight. I'm sorry. That yeah. that guy had to get this guy's words out there because I do not know you, Stephen Wedgworth. I'm sure you're a very kind person. This article was filled with not only logical fallacy but also clear biblical error, and I would encourage you to rethink it. And right. you're welcome. We're what we'd love to engage with you at any point. Maybe you'd like to clarify, and we're just misunderstanding the literal explicit words here. Yeah. Really. So, so the reason that with the reason that we mentioned that the, the double mindedness is because you cannot say that the church meeting is essential and then at the same time not meet together 
as God instructs. That is double-minded. That is looking at the text of Scripture and then walking away from it and completely forgetting, which is, which is exactly what we've described. We've seen these authors completely throw out the Scripture as soon as they mention it, and then place secondary and tertiary forms of authority that God has set up in this world over and over and above the primary source of authority, which is God himself in his revealed word. I mean, this is why we mentioned the double-mindedness, and what needs to happen is repentance. Repentance, and obviously, and and I, I truly do believe that there is, that there is sinful portions to some of these articles that need to be chapter verse. This is what I did. This is how I'm wrong. And this is how I'm going to repent. And perhaps that is by completely leaving the gospel coalition and focusing all your efforts on opening your churches back up, regardless of what the civil magistrate says. Why? Because we are to obey God rather than man. Please, please obey God. Every, every time, every time this if 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 your pastor would encourage you to f- obey god rather than rather than man in your own personal life but would not seek to do it in the life of the church then you need to go to your pastor and encourage him to conform to the scripture because you could, you can't sit here and tell someone you should really <clears throat> avoid putting yourself in unwise situations that could be potentially sinful as you are leading them from behind a zoom screen that's not how this works no. if it's true for you it's true for him and if it's true for you and him then it's true for the body of Christ Either the word of God is sufficient or it is not. Either the word of God is truly his word or it is not. And if it is, it's all his. And if it's not, you don't get to pick it. Then then we don't need any of it. Then none of it matters. Right. And I mean, we, we, we've talked a lot. I mean, the context of this is Canadian. But the reality of the situation is that a lot of our, our United States are imposing some forms of lockdowns. And it's only going to ramp up um, like, like here in the People's Republic of New Jersey uh, with our you know, Governor Murphy, I mean, mandating masks for vaccinated and unvaccinated children in in the public schools. Um, you know, you've got Governor Cuomo and Mayor Bill de Blasio uh, trying to enact vaccine passports. I mean, you we, we are going to see here in the United States as well another wave of lockdowns, another wave of the government trying to come in and dictate to us, God's people, how God would like to be worshipped. Mm. And that is not their role. And so we just had this conversation this past week in community group, Justin, you know, what, what our, our members asked, uh, our, our faithful members asked, they said, look, if, if this goes to another um, lockdown phase, are we going to stay open? And every one of our elders says, yes, absolutely. That's not even a question. Yeah. To be clear, it wasn't like we had gotten together and said, you know, we have to have a meeting and a stance on this. We knew where we all stood. It was It was like, who wants to go first? You want you want you want to take it? You want to take it? So we just go around. Yeah, I think I was this one answer. I was like, no, we have to close. We're never open. If they tell us, right. <laughs> no, of course we're going to be open. And we've already challenged our men. We've already looked our men in the eye and said, look, if we all end up going to jail, who's the next man up? Next man up. It's the, next get, man, it's the next man up. And honestly, you better get some sermons ready to lead the church temporarily in between. Because the Lord knows Justin's not organized enough to have that stuff planned out that far. That's not right. This is a podcast going out to the public. Well, they should know. You know what? 
I guess I just need to become a full-time paid pastor. But you know what? It's only by the, it's, <laughs> just leaving that right there. But you know what? It's, it's, only, by, it's only by the grace of God that anything gets accomplished anyway. Holy so, crud, right boy, is it? And I'd like to say that if you'd like to hear some good some good sermons, you should definitely go over to missyourdaynj.com and check out the, uh, the the sermon podcast there. Because honestly, I believe as far as a small church goes, we have some straight fire sermons sometimes. And that's not even just the ones. That's not even. I'm not saying just the ones I do. I think I think all all, all of our elders are are with the word and it is fire so i'm sorry a little plug yeah speaking of plugs you know right now you can get <laughs> that's a hard that's a bad transition <laughs> I, you know what i want to live in that so don't edit that out i'm telling our producer don't edit that I, I will live in that it was a bad transition all right speaking speaking of <laughs> speaking of a, another thing I wanted to say that you can get the Carpe Fide Seize the Face shirt for $10 on our website right now. $10. And here's what here's the real deal. If you're listening this long, then you're a dedicated Carpe Fide fan, and we're just thankful for you. So here's what's going on. We're headed to G3. We're trying to make sure we have everything we can get there. We have, listen, I'm going to tease this straight up. We have a fire shirt coming out very soon. Very soon. A brand new Carpe Fide shirt that you will want. In fact, you'll probably want seven of them. I want Because it. seven is the number of perfection. I and you. It, and I want it. <laughs> it's seven is the, 777 seven. shirts. One for each head of the beast. Wait. Nay, nay. You should get seven times seven, D770. Seven All right. So you'll see the hitter there, but that's coming soon, so I'm going to tease that. Um, in the meantime, we're just trying to get set up to get to G3. If you're coming to G3, can you message us? We'd love to hear from you. We're going to have a bunch of, a bunch of good um, uh, incentives for those coming to G3 as far as our, our T-shirts and stickers go coming up, so that's exciting. Uh, but right now, $10 for a, a straight look. Even if you got this T-shirt without any print on it, okay? This t-shirt's worth $10, no problem. But then you throw this beautiful orange and white logo with Seize the Faith on it. I mean, it's 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 so good. Wear that one unmasked at Walmart. Oh my gosh, do it. You know what? I triple dog dare you. I'm skipping I'm skipping dog and double. I'm going right to triple dog dare you. You know what? Here's here's what I here. We didn't talk about this, but we rarely talk about anything, uh, you know, because we just we literally talk almost all day. No, no, no. But we don't actually like plan anything. Oh, okay, that's fair. All right. So <laughs> here's here's the thing. We, we are at an hour and 20 minutes. There's absolutely no one that's listening at this point. If you buy a shirt and take a picture of yourself unmasked next to a mask mandate at Walmart, we will give you something. I don't know what it is. A shirt. A special giveaway, something. I'll make something and send it to you. Oh no! For the yeah, first, no, you know, the first three people that do it. That's fine. Uh, good. Thank you for clarifying that. It's like first literally the first three people that that do that. Also, we would like to use your picture in obviously in a marketing way because that's so. Uh, that yes. Yeah, so no. Awesome. Of course. Yeah. No. Fire. Anything you do for us, we. So we which shirt it. is it? Which shirt it has to be this shirt? All right, so you have well, to. We, we're trying to pump the sale. Yeah, so if you get this shirt and take a picture, you will get a you will get an you will get another free shirt. We will give you a free shirt. The only shirt it can't be is the new shirt because it's not really done yet. But it's going to be awesome. We're so we're trying cool. we're working with our printer to get it done. But any of our existing shirts will be yours. First three next to it. It can you know what? It can be any mass mandate sign. I don't care if it's at your Walmart or your local DMV or. I don't know what you inspect. What do you inspect in Canada? Your hunting license, wherever it is, has a mask mandate. Your library, the, the maple syrup distillery. Oh my gosh, that is so offensive, Jesse. That sounds like an amazing thing. Though. I want to be there right now. <laughs> do they exist? Help us. They do. You know what? If someone in Canada would like to figure out a way to smuggle us in, because guess what? I distilled maple syrup. I don't know if I'd be allowed into Canada. I, don't, 
I mean, first off, we would have to. Uh, anyway, we, we have got to end this episode. <laughs> That's it. Look, if there's one thing we are absolutely positive of, is that after hearing all of this, if you are not so stinking encouraged to go out there and seize the faith. faith.